Hannah. Hey, Kate. How are you today? I'm doing well. What do you got today for a drink? I may be making a terrible mistake, but I am drinking uh, a nice lukewarm cup of coffee at 5 p.m. Oh, no. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, it's just what sounded good. And <laughs> that's, that's what I chose to drink for this evening, afternoon session. <laughs> so we'll see how that caffeine affects me later, but it's comforting for now. What about you, Kate? How are you doing? I'm doing well. I've got a citrus-flavored element. Mm. Um, and I'm about to go work out after this, probably. So. Oh, same. Me too. Nice! <laughs> See you there. Yeah. Okay, ready to get into it? Yeah. Howdy, Howdy from Houston. Houston. I'm Kate. And I'm Hannah. And today, we are going to be talking about our favorite things that we have learned from our most recent organ block, which was our cardiovascular block. So that's everything about the venous system, the arterial system of the body, and the heart. So blood flowing through your body, getting oxygenated, going out to your muscles, going into your organs, everything that you need to basically survive as a human. <laughs> uh, all sorts of stuff. Yes. Uh, so my favorite thing in particular about this unit was learning about heart murmurs. Uh, so heart murmurs have always been something that I had heard about like growing up like oh yeah so-and-so has a heart murmur or like oh heart murmur that sounds really dangerous you know but I never really knew what it was or like what a murmur meant until I got to med school really um, and started to learn about the anatomy of the heart um, so a quick little anatomy lesson on the heart so your heart is basically like a it's a bag with valves and it and it's a pump. So it pumps stuff out, holds volume, and it has some plugs. So you have the right side of your heart and the left side of your heart. And both the right side of your heart and the left side of your heart have an atrium and a ventricle. So you've got two atria and two ventricle ventricles. Blood from your body that has used all of its oxygen needs to get back to the heart so that it can get more oxygen so it can go back out to the rest of your body and deliver that oxygen again. So all of this deoxygenated blood flows into the right side of your heart first. So the first thing it goes into is the right atrium. Then it goes through a valve called the tricuspid valve into the right ventricle. So that's the right side of the heart. So then from the right side, it, your heart pumps it out through the pulmonic valve into your lungs, pulmonic pulmonary lungs. So your blood goes into the lungs and this is deoxygenated blood goes into the lungs and it gets a bunch of oxygen put back into it. So once it has all this oxygen, it flows out of the lungs into the left side of your heart. And the first place it goes into the left side of your heart is the left atrium. So then from the left atrium, it flows into the left ventricle through the mitral valve. And then from the left ventricle, it's squeezed out of the heart through the aortic valve and goes out into your body with oxygen to deliver to your muscles and your organs and all of that. So that's kind of the general flow of blood in your heart. And your body, kind of. <laughs> so a murmur is when the flow of that blood in your heart is turbulent, meaning it's either, it's not laminar for anyone who's taken a fluids class. <laughs> it's not smooth. It's not going at the rate it's supposed to. It's going too fast through a hole that is too small or something like that. So what I'm hearing is instead of flowing nice and smoothly down a river, nice and peacefully, mm -hmm. you're hitting some rapids. Right. And the flow is turbulent. Turbulent. And things might get crazy. 
it's getting a little nuts up in here. Okay. <laughs> That's exactly right. Got it. <laughs> so some of the things that can cause these murmurs are when those valves that I talked about, so like between the atrium, the atrium and the ventricle, or between the ventricle and the lungs or something like that, those valves, they can either be too stiff or too weak. So when they're too stiff, it's really hard for the blood to push that valve open and get to where it's supposed to go. Mm. And when they're too weak, blood can sometimes squish back through the valve or it flows through at the rate that it's not supposed to and just basically it's not flowing the way it is supposed to. Uh, another way that you can get a murmur is if you have basically a hole in your heart in between the right and the left side or in between um, you know parts of the heart that you're not supposed to have holes <laughs> and blood can flow through those holes and you know that is a direction of flow that's not supposed to be happening and it'll create turbulent flow that rapid flow that you're not supposed to have. So this can happen because of a congenital problem. So maybe you're born with it, it's a developmental thing. Um, it can occur because of uh, certain infections that you can get. Um, and sometimes these murmurs are just totally innocent and there's, they're actually not a problem at all. Um, and that I just thought was like super interesting that you can have a murmur that is not a problem. Cause I remember learning about that from, you know, friends growing up, like, Oh, my friend over here has a heart murmur. I'm like, that sounds like you need to get that taken care of. Yeah. It sounds like it's not good. Right. But it's not necessarily not good. Right. And it's not bad. Yeah. But if it's not causing any, um, disruption of function, like you're, you're doing, you're doing good. Right. It's all okay. It's all okay. Yeah. Um, so we learned how to, identify these different types of murmurs. Um, so different types meaning, is the valve too stiff? Is the valve too weak? Is there a hole in the heart? How is the blood flowing through? Um, and we learned how to identify them just using uh, like stethoscopes. So when you listen to the heart, you hear the very classic lub-dub sounds. You hear like, bottom, bottom, bottom for your heartbeat, right? So those two sounds are the lub and the dub. So that's the S1 and the S2. Um, and the sounds of those, are, and those heart sounds are coming from your valves that we talked about closing. So the first one, this isn't super important, but just for some anatomy, <laughs> uh, that first sound, the lub sound or the S1 sound, is when the tricuspid valve and the mitral valve close. So that's from the, atrias, or from the atria to the ventricles, when those valves close. So the like within heart valve right. is closing. Blood in the heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Flowing down into the ventricles. From the upper atrios, atria down into the ventricles. Those two valves. So when they close, makes the S1 sound. Okay. So that's the lub. Got it. And then when the blood is pushed out, it goes through the other valves, which are your aortic and your pulmonic valves. And when those valves close, that makes the dub sound. So the lub-dub. Ba-dum. <laughs> There cool. you have it. All so right. that's, that's what your heart is supposed to sound like <laughs> when you listen to it with a stethoscope. Um, but when you have a murmur, you'll hear like a whooshing sound or um, what else? How else do they describe it? Like a machine-like sound is one. A um, blowing a sound. A blowing sound. Yeah, there mm -hmm. are all sorts of, you know, buzzwords to describe the sound of a murmur. But basically it's like this fuzzy sound that is happening in between those two sounds, the S1 and the S2, the lub and the dub or between the S2 and the S1, the, the dub, and then the next lub. <laughs> um, and we learned how to identify what types of murmurs you could be experiencing just by the sounds 
coming from your stethoscope. So just these little vibration sound waves coming out of your heart that are vibrating the little tympanic, what do you call it? The little membrane, tympany membrane um, on the stethoscope. Yeah, I don't know what you call I don't it, know. but yeah. The science behind a stethoscope, basically. <laughs> yeah. And it goes up into the little earplugs so that you hear. And you can identify like all sorts of different types of murmurs just by listening. And you don't need a fancy CT machine. You don't need like all this high-tech stuff. You just need a stethoscope. And I just thought that was like really cool, mostly because a lot of what we've been learning about, you need some of this really amazing technology that's evolved over the last 50 years um, to identify it and notice it and recognize it and treat it. And this is something, you know, stethoscope has been around for so much longer than any of these types of machines. And you can use it in resource limited settings, that kind of stuff, to help identify problems that somebody might be having. It's just really, yeah. I just thought it was super cool. It is really cool. And actually something that I also find really interesting about murmurs is that if someone's murmur is loud enough, you could hear it without a stethoscope. Yes. You can hear it from the other side of the room if it's loud enough. Yeah. Which I think is kind of crazy. It is pretty nuts. Yeah. And if you have one of your valves replaced, mm. we've heard from some clinicians that at first people get used to, or sorry, at first people don't like the clicking sound of it, opening, closing, opening, closing. Right, because it's a mechanic, usually when you have a valve replaced, it's a mechanical valve replacement. Correct. And it, and it has like a clicky sound to it. Exactly. You can actually hear. Yeah. yeah, and you can hear it from not near, not super close to the patient without a stethoscope. Right. Which is kind of cool. And so, it's funny, the clinicians have said at first, the partners will complain, oh, I'm hearing this clicking all night, all night, and then they get used to it, and then the clicking might stop for a period of time, and the spouse will be like, all right, we're going right now right. to the emergency room, <laughs> the clicking stopped, and they won't even have noticed that they got used to it, but right. they just noticed that it's not there, which mm -hmm. I think is kind of interesting too. I thought that was fun too, yeah, yeah. I think I remember him saying too, from that lecture, that it's similar to getting used to the clicking of like a watch, like the ticking on a watch, right? The second hand, um, and how if you're in a really quiet setting, you know, like a test taking environment or something, you hear somebody's watch ticking, I can just drive you up a wall. Oh yeah. <laughs> but in any other setting, like you don't you don't notice that you just forget about it, and that's similar to like the valve replacement. Um, but yeah, I thought that was really neat to hear um, about some of those the evolving technology of valve replacements and that whole field too. It was it was hard to pick a favorite thing from CV because oh I just my thought gosh. Like so yeah. much what we learned about was really, really cool. Very interesting and very applicable to like anyone. Yeah. Because we all want healthy hearts. Yeah. And isn't isn't heart disease it's like the number one disease in America? I think so. If not number one, it's way high it's, up there. It is a big problem in America. Yeah. <laughs> I might not have my stats correct on that, but I know that it is like one of the top problems facing Americans today. So um, definitely cool to learn about something that was really very relevant, um, especially with the perspective that our school tends to take with how do we actually make change in this field and actually, you know, get innovative and find solutions. Um, so that was just, it was just neat to see like, hey, we're talking about this huge problem in America and we're talking about solutions. Yeah, that was really cool. I think that was the first time we really talked about that plus solutions. Yeah, we really so dove into it. Yeah, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of potential solutions in this field, so it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what about you, Kate? What was your favorite thing from this cardiovascular block? Um, my favorite thing was this concept of re relaxing the heart. So myocardial relaxation. Myocardial 
heart muscle relaxation. So just a little bit of background. There's two phases of your heart contracting. Systole is when your heart is actually contracting, so the squeeze, and diastole is when it is filling with blood so that it can contract and pump more blood out to Mm. your muscles, your skin, all your other organs. So the heart has to give oxygen everywhere else in its body, but it also needs oxygen too. And when it's filling with blood, if you think about blood filling into a little chamber, it can't get blood from the inside of the chamber. It needs to get blood from its own vessels. And the only Mm. time it can do that is during diastole, so during the filling phase. So during the filling phase, when the heart is relaxing, the arteries that supply blood to the heart can open up and dilate and give the heart muscle oxygen. And the heart needs a lot of oxygen because it is working 24-7, no breaks, always (laughs) pumping because it is one of the most important organs in your body, for sure. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So related to myocardial relaxation is this concept called lucitropy, which basically just describes the ability for heart muscle to relax during the diastolic or filling phase. Um, So what I found really interesting was lucitropy in relation to exercise, because when you exercise, the diastolic phase gets longer so that you have more time for filling so that you can push more blood out of your heart Mm -hmm. to get to your skeletal muscles And at the same time, the longer diastolic phase allows for a longer time for your heart to get more oxygen so Mm -hmm. that it can continue pumping at this higher rate with more volume because your body needs more blood to your skeletal muscles because we all know how it is when you're working out (laughs) and you're like, gosh, I need more oxygen, please. (laughs) So I just thought that was really interesting and a couple other things when you exercise your heart shuttles calcium around more efficiently so calcium is really important for heart contractions and when you exercise it increases the efficiency because it has to do it well so that it can contract um and so this process increases lucitropy at baseline and it just allows that's what happens when you have an athlete who has a really low heart rate, they just have a really efficient heart. Yeah, like their heart has had a lot of practice. Exactly. Like it, has, it has done this a lot. So it knows what it's doing. It's had some experience of like, hey, how can we make this process just like super smooth and super quick and really efficient? And, and get a lot of oxygen. And get a lot of oxygen because you're doing that more and more frequently as an athlete. You're working out way more often. So right. you have, your heart has to figure out like, all right, if we're going to be doing this all the time, like we got to get good at this. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So I thought that was really interesting. When you're going out to work out, you are relaxing your heart. Right. And you are increasing relaxation when you're not working out. So I've yeah. started saying that instead of, I'm going to go for a run, I'm going to go relax my heart. (laughs) Which is just kind of, I don't know, I just think it's funny. Maybe it's a little nerdy, but (laughs) here we are. Um, Another thing about when you exercise that is helpful for your heart is it can reduce reduce the stiffness of your heart wall. So this is especially helpful when you might have heart disease or any like injury to your heart because... If you think about sort of an analogy with your skeletal muscles, so the muscles, your biceps, triceps, like 
those all are skeletal muscles. When you're sitting all day long, maybe at a desk, at the end of the day, you might feel a little stiff and you want to move and get a little more blood flow to those muscles. Kind of the same thing is with your heart. When you exercise, there's more oxygen going to your heart. It's able to move better. And that all really helps a lot when you have disease of your heart. Mm. So I thought that was really cool because I've always been interested in exercise and how that can be beneficial to your body. And we all know that exercise is good for your heart, especially aerobic exercise. But to learn exactly how that works, I thought was really interesting. And and why moderate intensity-ish exercise is good because it literally allows your heart to relax more. (laughs) Yeah, I I definitely agree with that last point you made of just like, I feel like we grew up, you know, learning about heart healthy diet or exercising for your heart like because heart conditions are such a prominent problem in America um, I feel like we learned a lot of surface level stuff about the heart just off like off the cuff growing up you know Um, and so it was really neat to just spend this block learning the molecular level learning the biochemistry level you know learning what it actually means to consume this type of food to exercise this type of way you know and exactly. like what that actually does to your heart exactly so, yeah. and yeah and it makes me want to do those things more because i know exactly what it's doing versus if someone's like oh go for a run or go for a walk it's good for your heart i'm i would probably be a little less inclined to want to do that mm. because it's, it's just, okay, it's good for my heart, but like, how good is it for my heart? What is it really doing? Mm. Like, are you just saying that because it's good for me in general? What if I don't really feel like doing it one day, Yeah. you know? And for me that like knowing how it works gives me a lot more motivation and really makes me want to do that for my body. Right. In a similar way too, it makes me think of when we were in anatomy and, um, you know, doing our donor dissections mm-hmm. and, you can actually like visualize the evidence of like plaque buildup in your arteries and like what that actually looks like. So if you do live a more sedentary lifestyle or something like that, where you have plaque building up in your arteries and it reduces blood flow and, and you hear those words thrown out there, you know, maybe when you go to the doctor or on, you know, TV for a drug ad or something like that about, Oh, plaque buildup or increased blood flow, you know, all those or things like high cholesterol, high cholesterol. It's like, what yeah. does that even mean? You right. know? And, and to actually visualize it and see it and be like, Oh, if I don't take care of my body, this is what it looks like. That, yeah. like that I think is some of the most like influential motivation for change or motivation for just like taking care of yourself. Um, just really being able to see it. And similarly, like in class, really learning what it means to have these types of problems and not only like take care of ourselves, but even more motivation to educate our future patients and really make sure that they they understand it too. Because you know we want to take care of future patients. We want them to have right. healthy, long, quality lives. Yeah, you know? no, I totally agree. And even beyond just like the plaque buildup of like the muscles that when we would dissect and like the mm-hmm. muscles that clearly weren't used would just kind of fall apart versus right. the muscles that were used a little more often were more intact and right. just, yeah, so many things can be solved with a little education, I think. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of why we're here <laughs> doing this show. Yeah. <laughs> it does make me think a little bit too how like 
the, the specifics of our program, you know, it's to create future physician ears, as they say, you know, yeah. doctors with an engineering mindset or engineers with a doctor mindset and how we are really, like we're in school, you know, to become doctors, yes, but it's not just another step we have to take. Like we're in school because we, we want to learn this and understand it and, and actually be able to apply it in a real life setting. Just is so different from like an undergrad kind of saying like, oh, I just need to go to school to get a degree so I can get a job. Exactly. You know? Yeah. There's definitely a lot of, a lot more passion behind learning all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And maybe we're just feeling a little sentimental because it is the end of the year and we're wrapping up (laughs) not just cardiovascular, but our entire M1 year, which is so crazy to think about. I know. It's so exciting. And we will reflect on that mm-hmm. in a future episode. Yeah, so give you all in. our thoughts. Yeah, <laughs> tune in for that. Um, but yeah, that's all we had for today. Yeah, that wraps it up. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening. And if you want to email us, the email is going to be in the show notes. Howdy from Houston podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you guys. Catch you next time. Bye.